Good afternoon. Welcome to Boat Talk, usually a call-in show here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, with your hosts, Mike Joyce, Alan Sprague, and John Johansson. This show was pre-recorded a few days ago. We start talking with Rich Hillsinger with some bad news from the Wooden Boat School. Wooden Boat School has... um, out of the situation has to change your summer schedule and what does that look like now well alan it's been you know it continues to be very strange times and uh last week uh wooden boat publications and the school made the made the very painful but necessary decision to cancel our entire 2020 program we just felt that it was much too dangerous to, uh, to the staff, to the students, instructors, the uh, townsfolk of Brooklyn and the uh, peninsula here, and uh, just just to, to, to run to run the program. You know, we we uh, we have uh, we had had already over 700 people uh, sign up for classes, and they, as as is the case every year, they come from all over the country and all over the world, and we just felt it was just much too risky to to uh you know have that occur we uh our campus is is an environment where people uh live together and work together and reside together and dine together in very close proximity to each other and with what's going on with the virus that was just um there was no way we could see um even trying to come up with a, an alternative program. Uh, so it was an extremely sad and difficult uh, decision uh, that we ended up making. Um, yeah. It is going to be a very strange summer here, not only uh, on campus, but in the whole town of Brooklyn, because uh, this town always rolls out the red carpet for all of our student population. And, uh, and the students really appreciate this this town and, and, and the people who live in it. And uh, so it's just going to be a very, very strange time. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, I, I'm sorry for your loss, but I'm sure uh, enrollment for next year will probably be uh, a record setter, but we'll find about that then. Um, yeah, yeah we, we are already... Uh, designing our 2021 program and uh, we've had a lot of our registered students uh, email us and call us to let us know that they would like to be coming back next season even to the point where they have said just hold on to our deposits and we'll see you next summer and uh, yeah so I've already written to uh, our whole uh, all of our faculty members and I know I'm asking a lot of them to, to, to look that far ahead in the future to the next summer. Uh, we're hearing back from uh, a lot of them saying that uh, they count us in, that we'll be there. And, uh, you know, a lot of them have said the same weeks that they were scheduled to teach this year, they'll, be, they'll put those aside for, uh, for next season. And others have said, uh, you know, put me in wherever you can. So we hope to have the 2021 program you know, here it is in early May. We have we hope to have the whole program designed in, by the end of June, and then uh, we can get that out on our website 
and in the magazine, and uh, we're, we're even contemplating uh, taking early registrations for those people who signed up for 2020 and, and uh, want to come back for 2021. We Our first day of taking course reservations is always the first working day in January. And uh, as a as a little bit of an incentive and thank you to the people who are allowing us to keep their deposits, we're going to open up an early registration period for them. That that's good. That works well both ways, I'm sure. So all I would say to folks out there is uh, we thank you for all the support you've shown Wooden Boat and Wooden Boat School over the years. Um, come join us in 2021, and. Uh, you know, if you're not a subscriber to Wooden Boat Magazine, uh, do you do yourself a favor and, and do us a favor and maybe uh, get a subscription for Wooden Boat or give it away to a friend as a gift and so on and so forth, just to help us keep afloat. Um, right. Thanks to WERU. Thanks, Alan, to you and Mike for the show that you have uh, done for so many years now, and uh, always good to listen to it, and always good to be uh, part of this wonderful community of. Uh, wooden boat builders and owners good to talk to you stay safe be well everybody so long Alan well one more question that popped up Rich is um, we talked about wooden boat magazine Um, I'm assuming this time in these special situations are you making extra effort to put any videos out oh good you know hey good question Um, we've been talking about uh, you know some sort of online uh, distance learning and with the uh, with the arrival of this uh, scenario with the COVID nineteen virus, we're now uh, we're now putting more effort into that. So one of the other things that I've written to our faculty is uh, to see who amongst them is interested in in producing some um, videos uh, or some live uh, chats uh, with Zoom or, or one of those formats and. Uh, uh, just so we can all stay connected with uh, the wooden boat community. So we hope to be having get that up and running here in the very, very near future. I'm, I'm glad you right. asked that. I, I forgot to bring that up. Well, sounds interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- I guess that does wrap it up this time, Rich. Thank you very much, and uh, I'll be uh, hearing you on the radio. All right, Alan. Good to hear you, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk with you. Next, we go to our monthly report from Dave and Stacy, who are doing the Great Loop now in Maryland. We're doing pretty good. Uh, we've we've been here in Solomon for a couple of days now, uh, and and we've just been sort of punching up the, the Chesapeake Bay for the last oh what week and a half or so. Uh, just we we'll get someplace, then end up waiting out uh, a blow for a couple of days, and then get someplace else and wait out another blow. Uh, it, it's just been one after the other for the last few weeks. Uh, but we've we've made it up this far. We're we're in Maryland. Uh, we dusted Virginia, and uh, we're we're uh, going to stay here probably till Tuesday or Wednesday or so. How's the marina situation? Well, we are guests right now of a sailing club uh, here uh, in Solomon's. And uh, when I say sailing club, I mean we're the biggest boat here. Everything else is, you know, 23 foot or under. Uh, We're out on the end of the tee head. And, uh, you know, they've ran us some extension cords, and we're just enjoying ourselves. Um, But as of today, Maryland made recreational boating 
legal again. Actually, it was yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Ooh, so yesterday. we're feeling pretty legal. And we find probably, <laughs> I would say, at least 70% of marinas are open, accepting transients, dispensing fuel. You just have to know which ones aren't. Yep. Uh, Do you have to quarantine? Uh, they haven't made us. No, not here. <laughs> okay. That's, a, that's only in Maine that I've heard. Well, it's, as far as we're, we're, we're trying not to pay attention to that because we're going to plead ignorance wherever we get. You heard what happened out on Vinyl Haven, didn't you? Uh, about oh, yeah. The, uh, the tree across the driveway? Yeah, it was an act of God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a, a minor chainsaw intervention. Yeah. <laughs> you want to explain that, John? Somebody came from away to, to a house on Vinyl Haven and somebody on Vinyl Haven cut the tree down across the driveway so they couldn't leave so that they had to quarantine. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I, as we're recording this, we're, we're recording this a few days before the show, I think, right? And it's, it's, yes. This is going to air on Tuesday. It's Friday right now. That's so we're, correct. Uh, we're preparing right now. I'm, I'm going to do an online concert tomorrow that nobody can tune into except after the fact on Facebook. Uh, but people are welcome to try. Um, Dave Rowe Folk? Uh, yeah, it's, it's on my page. It will be on my page, uh, facebook.com slash Dave Rowe Folk, and just go into the videos, and you can see what I did on Saturday night tomorrow, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> you, you've uh, been cooking inboard a lot uh, still, I, I assume. Then. Yeah, we haven't managed to find... Uh, uh, a restaurant that we wanted to get takeout from yet. Uh, most of the most of the restaurants right around us here are closed. I, I think we we have a car loan to us. We might go find some tomorrow. I kind of have decided that the experience of the restaurant is way more important to me than the actual food in a styrofoam box. You know, if, if I can't go to the restaurant and visit a new town, I just assume have my captain, who's a chef. I know you also cook, but um. We have been eating on board a lot. And, you know, the COVID, <laughs> we don't really want to rub elbows with that, you know, as little as possible on our way back to Maine. Well, you know that I just got a message this afternoon that restaurants are allowed to open in Maine uh, indoors, limited indoor service uh, on the 18th of May. Really? Yeah. Mm. I, but yeah. only in 12 counties. I, I, you know, yeah. I, so, so those that down south and Penobscot, so York, Cumberland, Androscoggin, and Penobscot are uh, excluded. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's Massachusetts's bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. I can oh, see yeah. a whole lot of trees getting sawed down right along the oh, edge yeah. of the <laughs> 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 I, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping that they'll start opening up outdoor seating. Uh, they, soon. they are doing that too. That that would make sense. You know, just space the tables apart. You don't have to cram them in like sardines, and right. and give a place for folks to to pull up and have a burger. You know, yeah. The retail stores can open. Uh, you know, so long as you only have so many customers. Restaurants and wilderness campsites and sporting camps can open. Hmm. But it's all limited and all, you know, social distancing and that stuff. There's guidelines you have to go by, but, you know, not, not too bad, I don't think. But 
Yeah. I think the last time we talked to you guys, we were down in, were we in North Carolina yet? Where the, where the heck were we? Do you yeah. remember? South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, South just, Carolina, yeah. Just crossed over the border. Ago. Yeah, that was, that was a million years ago to us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so since then, uh, we've, we went through North Carolina and uh, we got up. We had we had the decision to make whether we were going to take the Dismal Swamp or or uh, the Virginia Cut. And we took the Virginia Cut. Wow. Uh, we did cross the Albemarle Sound, uh, and it, it was a bit bouncy, but we we did it. Um, I I think we were talking about that how it can be chancy, and we took our chances and went for it. Is what happened. Shallow. I'd like the joys of the Chesapeake, shallow and choppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, it With a muddy about, bottom instead of granite, if you go aground, you just, you know, get stuck in the mud. You don't uh, rip the bottom off, which is good, but yeah, shallow and choppy. <laughs> and exactly. usually crowded. You've solved the, you know, you've solved that part of the problem right now. Oh, yeah. Probably ain't that crowded, so. No, it was, and there was nobody that really wanted to be out there the day we came across. Uh, it wasn't terrible. It was almost a following sea. It was catching us on, on the, the port uh, stern quarter. Uh, and just giving us a bump along, um, it probably, oh, I don't know, two, two and a half footers, uh, and probably about two seconds apart. It, it, it wasn't comfortable. <laughs> nice little cork, corkscrew ride, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Were you uh, taking any water over the transom? Nope. No, no. We, it wasn't that bad. It was, it was just yeah. an uncomfortable ride, and the first mate was grumpy. Yeah. Yeah, we like to joke that it's not uh, good to shake the crew up, but really we uh, always fear shaking uh, fuel up. We uh, always, you know, strange boat or not, uh, uh, shaking up the fuel system has always proved to be a problem uh, it, it many can many be. times. So yeah, yeah. It, if if that if that fuel system hasn't been run, had a lot of fuel run through it, you know, I've at this point with this boat seven thousand miles later with regular running the way we do. Uh, I, I think I've, I've changed the fuel filters once on this trip, and yep. the glass is clear. Uh, I, we, we have a, a pretty solid fuel system on this boat, but it, if she nice. sat, uh, I'd be real worried about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I said, that's the joke. Uh, we don't want to shake the crew up, but really it's bad to shake the boat up. So it has, like I say, there, there are issues, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we I, we shook this boat hard on, on the Great Lakes and ended up cracking our black water tank. I think we discussed that right. in yes, a right. past show. <laughs> but, yeah, it, I mean, as much as these boats are, are built to take it, they don't necessarily want to. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, my killer cat just brought in a uh, squirrel. This is his uh, cry of triumph here in the background. He's oh. uh, <laughs> showing off his trophy. It's a very small gray squirrel. Proud of you, buddy. Now get. Go on, get. Oh, geez, it's still alive. No, I ain't kidding. It's still alive. Oh, geez. Yeah. It's going behind the refrigerator. Oh, no. Good times. Better you than me, Mike. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. All right. Well, uh, let's think. We, uh, Chesapeake Bay, then uh, we've got the... Uh, Beautiful uh, coast of New Jersey to uh, uh, run after that, um, yep. which is always fun. Uh, you know, um, 
24 hours uh, the length of New Jersey at six knots. Uh, we find and we parallel the beach a couple miles out, you know, um, not much help for that. But then you get New York City, man. Yeah. Uh, again, you it's back lapping yourself. That'll be nice now, won't it? It will be. It will be. And, you know, I, we may do New Jersey partially on the inside because this, the ICW still goes up through there and our draft isn't so drastic. We can't do it. Uh, we're yeah. going to wait and see what the winds do. Uh, and if it's gentle, we'll probably do it on the outside. And, and if it's blowing, we'll we'll probably run it on the inside. There's, there's no reason for us to beat ourselves up. Uh, but then, yeah, we, we hit New York City, head up the Hudson, the East River. Long Island Sound, and then we're almost home. Yes, you are. Nice. Downhill from there. Yeah, exactly. Down east, anyway. There were yeah, so many ferries running and stuff when we were um, in the harbor at the feet of the Statue of Liberty. I'm wondering if that might be a little reduced with the with the COVID. I, oh, all, yes, oh, yeah. all traffic way down. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. There were wakes coming at us from every direction at once. Square waves. <laughs> It was it was square waves in in New York Harbor, <laughs> exactly. They weren't that. I mean, it was wakes squaring up, but it's still square waves. It, <laughs> it yeah. was uh, it was like that, crossing a I don't know a, a, a mogul field or something. A washing machine. Yes, yeah, yeah, a washing machine. Yeah, no, it, yeah. corkscrewing, like you said. Are you so, going to look at anything in uh, in Chesapeake Bay? Have we looked at anything? Well, are you going to go to any special places? There's a couple of big museums, but I don't know if any of them are open. Nothing's open. Absolutely nothing, nothing that way is open. I mean, we've we've been looking at anchorages, uh, some real nice ones. Um, we've been just taking in the sights as much as we can because there's damn little else we can do. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, right here where we're uh, tied up right now, either side of this this boating club, there are couple of good looking restaurants that we can't even you know they're dark no one's there uh the whole town is shut down the whole area is shut down uh and and like stacy said uh until yesterday morning at 7 a.m uh recreational boating in the state of maryland was completely shut down uh they were making exceptions for uh anyone who you know needed to get a boat to a slip uh so you could launch your boat and take it to your slip but that was the end of your trip or people like us who are moving through, but uh, you know, for, we we decided because it was uh, off limits, we decided to go right by the Potomac because that's you know ninety percent in Maryland uh, because we didn't want to be caught going the wrong direction when we're supposed to be pointing toward Maine, right? You know, so it's it's uh, it's it's been sort of catch as catch can as far as doing extracurricular activities, but. Uh, uh, we we we're still making the best of it. We're you know we've been in some some of God's country here. It's just absolutely beautiful, but uh, very limited in in what other experiences we can have. So some states are starting to open up. Do you know of any of them up as you're headed up? Any of them that are open? Uh, they don't particularly interest me because of their proximity to New York and New Jersey. Oh, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, <laughs> No well, I understand that. <laughs> you know, uh, two days ago, I was in Booth Bay for a boat launching, and I don't know if you know Brown's Wharf. There was nothing there, and the plan was they may not even uh, open it this summer. Wow. Which is a giant, it's a 90-room hotel. 
But somebody else said that they probably would, but without the restaurant. Yeah. Well, we, ha- we know a lot of loopers. You know, we met a- quite a few on this trip. And some of them started their trip up in the Great Lakes and up in Canada. And right now they're trying to figure out how the hell they're going to get home because the right. Erie Canal might not open. And the Champlain Canal, the, the New York Canal Authority might not open any of the canals. They've, they've, they put it in neutral in March and haven't do, been doing any of the preparation to open. Uh, and uh, the St. Lawrence Seaway is closed to recreational traffic, except for people trying to get their boats home. So most, a lot of these people might find themselves going up out around Nova Scotia and up into the, the uh, St. Lawrence and going the hard way. It's, this yeah, but I wonder if that some of those regulations, you know, as the you know the country opens back up a little bit, whether some of those regulations will be you know downgraded. Well, it's hard to know, but th- I mean, the the canal systems not opening up aren't necessarily a regulation. It's just they they shut down because it was non-essential. They shut down all preparations to open on Mar- on May fifteenth, back right. in March. So you know now, even if they decided to open up. They'd be, you know, mid-March in, in terms of their preparation level, and here it is mid-May. So they're two months behind. The, the best that they probably could do is open by end of July or something. Uh, yeah. So it, it's, how, it's interesting. How is there anything less essential than water transportation? The canal system is essential to how America moves goods. Well, the, not the Erie Canal system, not the Champlain Canal system. Uh, okay. Those are recreational only at this point. I see. Okay. St. Lawrence is all commercial except for yeah. a few wreck boats, but uh, you know the 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 Western rivers that we came down that would be uh, there's definitely commercial traffic out there, but the Erie Canal at this point is a, a recreational boater's paradise. There's no commercial traffic there. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Interesting. What's it like to go up through the St. Lawrence? I wouldn't know. I haven't done it. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Nope. I've, uh, I've been as far as the top of Cape Breton uh, and over to Newfoundland on the ferry. Uh, big water, I would say. <laughs> big water, yeah, I would what, call it. I would wonder uh-huh. how challenging it would be. Yeah. I, I've been on the St. Lawrence only in a section north of uh, New York State. And actually, it was pretty flat calm. It was quite wide and a lot of islands you had to go around there anyway, but I'm sure there's rapids somewhere. I, I would think that the, the chanciest part of that whole trip around is just going out and around Nova Scotia. And once you, once you get up into it, I would think it, it, it flattens right out. Right. Uh, you know, it, they don't have the, the, the tides in Nova Scotia. I think that's, that's the, the biggest thing that people will have to contend with. And I mean big. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Need a new lesson in tying up. Oh, yeah. yeah. 12 to 1? Will you? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we'd like to do the, they call that the, uh, the down east, what is it, the down east circle is where you, you go out and around and come down the St. Lawrence and then back down the Hudson River. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that, that's one I, I wouldn't mind doing. Uh, and there's, uh, there's the triangle loop, too, which is, you know, uh, Champlain Canal, St. Lawrence uh, to Lake Ontario, and then back down. Uh, 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 what is it, uh, Oswego River, back to the Erie Canal, and then then out uh, Hudson. 
Um, there's a couple of good trips there, but you know some of our colleagues are going are finding out real fast that they have to put them all together just to get home. Uh, and I, I bet there's some unprepared sailors that that are coming into this. Dave, uh, thank you very much. Thank you, John and and Mike. I think we're good to go. I've All got right. a very upset cat here. It's uh, lost the squirrel. I've moved the refrigerator, and not, neither of us can find the squirrel. But the cat keeps going <laughs> with these plastic bags here, and uh, is very upset. Uh, so best of luck. Yeah, I'm afraid you're going to find. Uh, could them. be squirrel for supper. I'm not sure yet. Hey, keep her coming safely, folks. We we will do just that, and uh, yeah, and I I I want to I want to duck a little uh, uh, mea culpa in here. I. I sh- I shouldn't have called the first mate grumpy on the Albemarle Sound. She wasn't really grumpy. She was just uh, <laughs> less than pleased that we were out there in those conditions. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's because she's uh, got good experience and know these things now. So yes, boy, did <laughs> like she ever! Uh, All right, man. Well, thank See you so you. much. There's Dave and Stacy. They'll be ending their trip next month. John Johansson is the editor and publisher of the Maine Coastal News. His job involves traveling to boatyards to see what's happening, and he also has been joining Boat Talk for the last year or so as a commentator. I turned the microphone around and interviewed him, starting with, what's new, John? Well, you know, going around the coast, because of course I you know, haven't been, uh, they deem me essential, for whatever reason, because I'm media. And so I've been out, but, you know, not into every boat shop. I, you know, I don't normally do that. Uh, you, normally I do that. And uh, the last couple of months I haven't, but this last month I got into, you know, a couple of them. Uh, you know, up on Beals Island, I got in with uh, Willis Beale. Uh, he had created a model that was probably around 36 inches. It's a model of a boat that he built called Spruce. Three, it was built for the uh, for Roke Island. It was basically the service boat over there, and I think he built it back in the '60s. And he's completed that. And unfortunately, uh, I had a great photo of that boat, and we were going to put it on the front cover, and we did on the front cover of the 2020 Main Boat Builder Show issue. <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> the day that the program was printed. The show got shut down, <laughs> so I actually was able to save some of the copies, and uh, I was up with him and gave him a copy of it. Because if you look at the photograph, it looks exactly like a wooden boat, a real one, until you look at the tools that are sitting next to it. <laughs> because he puts it, yeah, he puts in everything just as you would actually build the real boat. I mean, everything, it's detailed. And he even, the last one I know, and I'm sure he did it to this one, he cocked it. He gets something like, you know, dental floss or, you know, some small piece of line and takes it apart and actually cocks the boat, just like you would. It's all planked up. Uh, He has a couple of jigs that he uses, and I've been trying to figure out. Maybe I'll go back and do an article with him on it. Because it's real interesting to see how precise he is. You know, down forward on the V-bunks, there's uh, an edge that goes around. That's on there. All the frames are on there. They're all led right into the keel, just like you would do. Uh, 
you know, and the models are gorgeous. You know, and of course he's a he's a relative of Alvin, who of course built the ones that everybody remembers, the five footers. But you know, so then I saw Dougie Dodge over there. Uh, he's building, I think it's a twenty nine footer. And what's interesting about her is it's basically he claims on a frost model or similar to a frost model, but it's got a hard chine back aft and round builds forward. So maybe back just behind the eyes of the boat, uh, it turns hard chine. And so she's pretty far along. She's she's strip planked and uh, engines in, uh, platforms in, uh, trunk cabins on. Now he's got to just build the uh, uh, the house. so that that's you know he doesn't feel that he's going to be able to get it done this year because he's you know taking care of his wife who's who's ill. Uh, then we got down to Glenn Holland and I was talking with Glenn because Glenn produced a boat last fall, a 32 with no keel and a 250 horsepower outboard on the transom, and it was just bolted. It wasn't on a bracket or anything, and the boat did. If I'm not mistaken, 32 knots, which is about 36 miles an hour, with a 250. A 250 outboard, that's all she was. And he'd he'd like to do another one, and there was a couple of people that were sniffing around. And, you know, of course, right now everything's, you know, kind of uh, (laughs) not running. (laughs) And uh, basically what he'd like to do is put a little keel on it. He said there was no problem. He says, until you banked it, if you did a hard turn, it would turn just like an outboard boat and, you know, put actually put the side down. He says, it's a little unnerving. He says, typical of an outboard boat. He says, so long as you're, you know, you know it's going to happen, it's fine. He says, the first time I was a little, you know, surprised, but not bad. But he loved the ride. He says, he wouldn't be surprised if more people come for this type of boat, you know, because... When I go to the Newport Boat Show in the fall, the biggest thing I get asked, what, where can I get a boat that's not a center console boat but small because I want a house? You know, some of these people have figured out it's not always beautiful out there, <laughs> especially those clowns that go all the way out to the canyons to go fishing in an open boat. No. <laughs> Why would you do this? <laughs> but anyways, so... Uh, I think on the floor he's got Mojo, which is a 32 that's been around for maybe four or five years, and they replaced her engine. They took an FPT out and put a Cummins in, and then he's got a 38 that he's finishing up, but that's that's a pleasure boat. Uh, then I talked to JB. Uh, things are going well over there, and that's another interesting thing is to see how people deal with, the, you know, the virus. And, um, you know, talking with JB, that was kind of eye-opening uh, some of the yards have closed or closed for a couple weeks and then reopened. Uh, they did not close. Uh, they were able to, you know, distance people because a lot of them, there's a lot of projects all over that place, and it's a big place. So, you know, they can keep one or two people in a boat and keep them well away from each other because some of those boats are huge. Uh, but Sunbeam is, you know, is coming along. Uh, you know, of course, she's the... Uh, mission missionary boat that goes up and down the coast goes out to the islands and services the islands and she's been in there all winter long in fact she's been there since last summer and uh she's had extensive work she'll be basically a brand new boat when she comes out 
But, you know, basically when I met JB, it was talked about, and the biggest problem that, you know, we one of the big problems we see on the coast is owners from away coming to get their boat. You know, and unless some of the regulations change, you know, uh, some of these owners can't come and get the boats that they worked on all winter because they're not from Maine. You know, they can come and get it, but then they've got a quarantine. Now, maybe there's a way they can come and just hop right on their boat and the boat, yeah, and gone. Yeah. So I don't know how that's all going to work, and he was working that stuff out. I know he has a boat that they're trying to get out of Bermuda, but Bermuda is completely shut down. You can't even get in there, and the boat is not a boat that normal people can run. It's a Reichel Pew uh, design, so it's a high-tech uh, sailboat, and it wouldn't be easy for just the common guy to pick up that and sail that boat out. So, you know, it needs somebody that knows all of the, you know, high-tech stuff on that boat. Uh, but, you know, it's basically pretty good along the coast. Oh, I, then I went down to, uh, uh, there was a couple launchings uh, at Bruce Farron's a couple weeks ago. Uh, they launched it. You know, the boat came out beautiful. Matt Sledge is, you know, a, a real high-tech builder. He only builds an epoxy, uh, you know, which you can put on top of polyester and, you know, vinyl ester resins. But uh, the rest of the boat is all done, all custom panels, all vacuum bagged. Uh, right now he's doing a Muscle Ridge 46. So he launched that uh, 34, and it was interesting to see how bear the harbor of booth bay is now hopefully you know we uh yesterday we got messages from the tourism industry that you know that the state is going to open up 13 or 12 maybe it's 12 counties you know southern maine's basically locked down in penobscot is kind of a hot spot so they they're not open but you know the rest of them can so you know because it's going to devastate booth bay they were saying that Brown's Wolf wasn't even going to open, you know. But uh, but uh, getting back to Bruce Farron's shop, Farron's Boat Shop in Walpole, which uh, we went down to Gamages and they brought down a Young Brothers 45 that was finished out as a lobster boat for a fisherman in Harpswell. And strictly, you know, a lobster boat. There wasn't much down below. It, it was V-Burris and uh, I don't think there was a head. And... Uh, but he was tired of fishing in a little boat offshore. And he's an MMA graduate that came ashore when he got married. And beautiful boat, went well. I think she was up around 24. She only had, I think, a 750 deer in her. And uh, so she's down at Harpswell right now. So how are the lobstermen doing in general? Well, that's a big question. And, you know, uh, and we can circle back and do this with lobster boat racing. Uh, you know, they don't know what the market's going to be. No one knows what that market's going to be. Is China going to open up and accept lobsters, you know? Uh, is that market going to be there? Is any market going to be there? You know, fairs and uh, some of the uh, festivals have been canceled already. I think it was a little premature in some respects, but, you know, there's a lot of planning that, you know, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So, you know, maybe that's the biggest problem. Uh so that's the biggest worry of the fishermen. I mean, the price for fuel's good. I don't know how bait is uh, or what bait will be. Uh, so that could be a big question. John and Maine Coastal News is the prime motivator of the Maine lobster boat races, 
which normally run throughout the summer. That's different this year. So what's up with that? But in lobster boat racing, we lost two races so far, and I don't think we'll lose any more. We have 11 on the schedule, and Booth Bay Harbor has canceled and Harpswell has canceled. I know that Booth Bay was worried because the Schooner Festival has been canceled, and they didn't think it was right to run their races if the Schooners couldn't race. But the Schooners couldn't come out anyways because they couldn't put people on board until the 1st of July. So, you know, they couldn't come no matter what, you know, but I would have thought that we could have run. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure in that respect that others are canceled and, you know, it looks like, you know, it's bad for us to to run races when the others couldn't. couldn't. You know, so I think, you know, the first race is going to be Rockland. We changed the date and we're trying to combine right now and, I haven't heard back from Nick uh, O'Hara, who runs the Rockland races from Journeys and Marine, uh, whether we can combine the dates with Bass Harbor. Because if we can do that, we can get you know boats from down east and from you know maybe way down the coast to come up to Rockland and then slide over to Bass Harbor. You know, and the only downside of that is, is a lot of them, you know, most of the fishermen they may not bring the families because usually that's what happens on the Booth Bay weekend. We're in Booth Bay on Saturday. They come up to Rock, and they arrive usually, you know, maybe 20, 25 boats arrive on Friday night and raft up at Brown's Wharf in Booth Bay and have a great time and, you know, run around the town and, you know, talk. And, have, you know, it's just a good time. And then they go on Saturday afternoon after the race, they run right up to Rockland and do the same thing. You know, but they bring their families, so they kind of take a lot of rooms at Brown's Wharf. You know, so this year when they didn't weren't going to have Browns Wharf, that probably eliminated the families. So you know, the only worry would be if you combine the two races, where do they stay? And most of them would stay right on their boat. You know, and I don't think that's a problem, but it you know it may be. But we'll find out from the harbor masters, <laughs> you know, before we we do anything like that because we don't want to jeopardize anybody. But you know, there's some new boats coming. You know, I talked to Jeremy Beal last night from Wayne Beal's Boat Shop. It's Wayne's son. And he's got, uh, what is it, Maria's Nightmare. And she had that big gasoline engine in her last year. Well, that's been removed, and there's a uh, Cummins diesel in her now. And so, but he doesn't know how it's going to go. I know Tim Toppins from Toppins Diesel and Marine. He's put an engine in. There's a couple of them that have played with their engines. Uh, the rumor was last fall. And it was a pretty pretty good rumor that was that uh, uh, Wild Wild West, Glenn Crawford's boat from CNC Machine in Ellsworth, that she has, uh, they did some engine tuning, you know, basically just, you know, went through the engine and cleaned injectors and stuff like that. And she was back to over 60 miles an hour. And then in the winter, the big news was that Motivation, Tom Clemens' boat from uh, Harpswell, was sold. It went out to Vinyl Haven to Alfred Osgood, and he's going to put the Big Mac in her. Now, whether that's going to be ready for this season or not, that's a, that's a big question. But, you know, that will be interesting because I think he wants to come after the diesel record. But, you know, Wild Wild West is going to be tough to beat. The rumor is he can reach 65. That's what he wants. They actually have GPSs on board that will tell you what your speed is. So you can get it right on board the boat. In fact, they are more accurate than my radar gun is. 
I mean, my rate. The r- problem with the radar guns is is that the boats are running at an angle, so they're never really accurate. You know, they may have lost a mile or two, maybe more sometimes. And sometimes, you know, like Sid Eaton, when he raced and knew that he was trying to get a record or he wanted a good speed, he'd come right at the committee boat. And so he knew that he was going to get an accurate reading. But, you know, some of them are on the other side of the course. And, and sometimes that's done for a reason, because there are some courses that you want to be on certain sides, especially with tide running. And a lot of local knowledge, it pays to know it. So what in general do you see for boatyards this spring? The problem that I see that we could have in this industry is how many boats are not going in the water from the pleasure side. Now, I heard in one yard 50 calls have been made that said no. Now, they have a lot of boats in their yard, the 300 and something. But, you know, you know that could be a really a problem in some respects. You know, the boats aren't getting ready. And so, you know, does that become a problem for, you know, you can't keep enough work? I mean, most of these guys were crying for help before. They're not going to, unless they absolutely have to, they're not going to let employees go. You know, the boat building seems okay. You know, lobster lobster boats orders had been down for the last year, maybe year and a half. Uh and that was more on the catch side, you know, because it you know, wasn't banner years. So, you know, but that has been filled in with sport fishing boats. A lot of sport fishing boats. I mean, that boat that I told you about at Samoset Boatworks is a sport fish boat. There's one up at Moses' shop in Goolsboro. He's got a sport fishing boat that's going to Texas. You know, so there's a number of those things out there that are being built. You know, so... You know, and most of these shops, they don't need, you know, 10 boats to on order. They need three to five. Some of them don't even need that. Yeah. Right. And Morgan Bay, yeah, Morgan Bay boat here in Frankfurt, uh, they got that 43, and they're talking about building a 46, a new model. That's a, Those are all sport fishing boats, except one. There's one that's a charter boat. But... Uh, you know, so that's really what's holding the industry together. Your description of all these various projects makes me want to see pictures. How can we do that? I put some up on my website, you know, if they go to John Johansson uh, on Facebook. In fact, this morning, which is Saturday, uh, I'm going to put up uh, some of the shops, some of the stuff I've shot in the shops. Yeah, John is J-O-N, and Johansson is J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N. And uh, that's all I put on Facebook, and don't expect me to read much else because that's all I do. I go on and uh, post the photos and run. We talked about the range of work boat builders are doing. Lobster boats, you know, uh, they can come in a variety of ways. Some of them are strictly Spartan which means there's no, you know, there's no covering around the sides. They're open, uh, nothing down below, maybe a V-berth, uh, maybe a locker for hydraulics, a uh, bucket for the head, and that's about it, you know, and your pot hauler and your engine and then tankage underneath the decks. And then the, you go from there because some of them now are split wheelhouse, so there's two helm stations, one outside, one inside. You know, cause some of these guys go way offshore, and I mean way offshore, some of them stay overnight. 
So some of these boats are, you know, they used to be what back in the sixties, you could get a boat for $3,000. Well, now they're pushing over a million. Some of them that are fully decked out with, you know, complete interiors, big, big boats, 50 foot. You know, that's another thing that you've seen. And you kind of wonder where that's going to go, whether it's going to come back, you know, so that you, uh, the boats aren't so big, you know, will they come back to the 40 foot range or even smaller? You know, because it's easier to push, you know, through. And that's why I think, like, say, the um, the Calvin 42 did well because they just took a 38, added four feet in the middle, and didn't widen her. So she's a little more slippery than, you know, than the 38 is. And it, it makes, yeah, and that's the one that Front Street lays up for SW Boatworks because SW Boatworks does the Calvin boats. And then the sport fish boat, oh, my God, you ought to go in those things. They're well over a million dollars because they're fully decked out. And most of them have some trim and wood, not a lot. Uh, some don't have any wood at all. Uh, but they've got, you know, a stateroom forward. They've got hanging lockers, you know, fully every a shower. And a lot of times it's a separate shower, uh, you know. Uh, sometimes there's a head up in the uh, shelter. Um, you know, in the main salon, there's other berths up there and, you know, TVs, uh, and then all the fishing stuff. And you can't believe all the fishing stuff they can stick on these things. And that's another one that does a lot of those is Westmac, you know, with their uh, 42s and 46s. You know, they're doing a lot of sport fish boats over there. And what about tuna boats? Yeah, you know, a lot of them like the, some of the hulls. Some of them, it's about quietness, and, you know, I've never been around a sport fishing guy enough to, you know, realize, you know, all of the, what they're really looking for. I mean, you know, I hung around with Dave Carrera there from Wicked Tuna when he was up at SW Boatworks for a couple of days, and, you know, and what they were looking for in the boat, and, uh, you know, but he got to see the other side of it. He got to see what it was like to build a boat, because he actually helped. And he told me it would take him an afternoon to tell me all the things he learned, <laughs> especially about why it takes so long, because the owner adds this, that, and the other thing, <laughs> you know? So, and he's had that boat, what, two or three years now? Yeah, that's tuna.com, the black uh, Calvin Beal 44. I think she's got a 1,000 horsepower cat in her. Oh, there's another thing, talking about 1,000 horsepower cats. Uh, I was up at Moosehead Lake. And the Katie, which is Katahdin, uh, got a new engine over the winter. It's a C18, which is normally 1,000 horsepower, but this one's been detuned to 469, I believe. And she's going to be totally repowered this winter, uh, this uh, summer with a complete new electrical system. So and that was done by Bristol Marine, and I think they now call themselves the shipyard at Booth Bay Harbor. The name's changed like four times in the last two years. So, But they, they're the only company that really can go out and work on some of these boats. They're right now, they're, uh, they've got the Ernestina sitting on the, on the ways. That's the uh, uh, Gloucester fishing vessel that was home ported in New Bedford for a number of years and is now going to be the training vessel, a sail training vessel for Mass Maritime Academy. And so she's almost, she's on her last contract, and it hadn't been approved the last time I was there. 
And what that means is they're going to rigger, do all the rigging, and put her interior in. And it shouldn't be a big, big job. I think they said it would take nine months to do it. So, you know, hopefully, you know, they get that contract. It's sitting on the way, so it's kind of hard to take it off and move it somewhere else. It doesn't make sense. John travels quite a bit, not just to boatyards. He's a serious researcher and has been putting together a great resource for researchers. Which is the internationalmaritimelibrary.org. It's all one word. And, you know, so basically you can go on and type in Southwest Harbor. And some of the, you know, they didn't do a lot of, you know, vessels there. They did more yachts towards the late, uh, after 1900. But you take a town like Bangor Brewer, you can see all the vessels that were built in town. Uh, each vessel has a hundred uh, fields for information, and but you'll only see the fields that have a value in it. So right now I'm putting in warships because I'm working. I've got 130,000 in that same database now, and trying to you know remove the duplicates, make sure all the information's in one of the files. And then I'm adding yachts and uh, warships. And what a nightmare, because the warships had a lot of designation changes. You know, some of them started as destroyers, became mine layers. And then trying to find all the information as to exactly, you know, the changes. You know, when did they change armament? What was their armament? Where where, where were they built? You know, because sometimes that gets confusing, especially the early, early stuff. You know, Timmy Hodgton uh, from Hodgton Yachts looked at me one day and says, you know, you're not going to live long enough. And he's right. You know, when you really think about, I've got a pile of books here that are four feet high, and it's probably six feet long and four feet wide. Of all these books that need to go, you know, the information needs to be downloaded into the computer and double-checked about with stuff that's already in there. Because that's the other thing, is some of the information in certain annuals is not right. And if you chase it out far enough, it becomes correct. And you can figure out what's right and what's not. But it takes a lot of time. But, you know, I'll do what we can. Where do you get your information, John? There's unbelievable amount of material. One of the favorites, uh, most people will know Bill Bunning because of his uh, some of the books that he's written. And uh, Bill's, one of his major sources, and one of mine too, is what was called the Maine Industrial Journal, which started as the Maine Mining Journal back in 1880. But once it got to about 1883-84, it started switching to more only industrial. And it was the best resource till about 1900. And then it sort of went downhill and died in about 1918. But what a, I can sometimes tell you who built the steering wheel on a boat. You know, they told you who rigged it, who painted it, all of those things. You don't find that anywhere, you know, and those are the details I like, you know. And that's what I'm trying to put into the internationalmaritimelibrary.org, which is where all the vessels are. But I've also worked on a chronological history of the sea, and I think there's, I've got 4,000 entries in that, but they need to be updated. And I'm also working on biographical data. So sea captains and stuff like that, because I've gone through a lot of cemeteries trying to get. But then I found out, don't trust what's on the stone. And you'd think that by the time somebody was buried and they went and ordered a gravestone, that the dates would be right. Not if it was the husband, because more than likely he didn't know when his wife died. Ah, two or three years ago, you know. (laughs) So 
it might be in the ballpark, but it might not be. But some of it, what you learn from a gravestone, there was a great shipwreck down off Kittery that I got, and it was all from a gravestone. I didn't know about it. I went right to the newspaper in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. There it was, all the details you'd ever want to know. So what are you researching now? I'm researching uh, 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 diesel, uh, and I don't know what she is. And right now, I'm trying to narrow the vessel down, but her name was Atlas, and she was working in Portland and doing salvage work. So I'm trying to figure out if I've got the right one, because the guy I met at the launching of Last Call, which was the Holland 34, asked me about it because he's got a photograph of it. And he said that I had it in my newspaper, so now I'm chasing it down. That's what I'm doing this morning, <laughs> trying to find where, it, where, I, where I wrote it. And uh, again, um, how do you see pictures of your travels and all those discoveries? All the photographs, or a lot of photographs I take in the boat shops, will appear on Facebook uh, under my name, which is John Johansson. John is J-O-N, Johansson, J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N. Uh, then if you, uh, can't get the paper and you want to read it digitally, it's at mainscoast.com. And hopefully at some point I start expanding that so that you've got history. I've got some stuff ready on steamers, uh, shipwrecks and all kinds of stuff, other stuff I've found. Do any projects at home? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm also building a half hole up, up in the, in the shop. Because I give them away, and this one's going to go to the uh, Maine Fisherman's Forum next year. Well, you know, I didn't really figure this out right, so I'm building Pauline, which is a sardine carrier that's sitting down at Billings Diesel and Marine. She's got a pod stir, and she was built at New Burton Wallace in the late 40s. She's 83 inches long, 83 feet long, so me being the way I like to think, oh, let's build it inch to the foot. Well, that's 83 inches long, and then it's nine inches wide. That's what because she had an 18 foot beam, and then it's about 15 inches high. So I was with Jamie Houts at the landing school the other day, and he was figuring out the cubic weight, cubic foot weight of pine, and he figured it basically ended up to be about 120 pounds if it hadn't been shaped a little bit, because I did it in lifts. I actually had to loft onto the uh, the planks, because the planks were an inch and a half thick pine, and I laid it up that way with a uh, veneer of mahogany for the water line. But a normal builder's model actually had a dowel in it, and they could pop them apart so they could actually loft it and stuff. You know, But I didn't go to that extreme, because it was hard enough, because when I went to pick it up, next time I'm going to have to have chain fall. Because it was over a hundred pounds, <laughs> you know. But it's shaped out, and the, the the stern's interesting to do, and that's why it's really fun to do half holes. Is what you learn. You learn the design, you know. And the design of some of these vessels. I've done clipper ships. I've done, you know, um, some of the models from Beale's Island. I did one uh, of Richard Alley. I did a 1930s Jones Porter. I've done a lot of them because people like that. And I gave one away at the last Fisherman's Forum, which brought him almost $600. And uh, I did one a Ranger. But it's fun to learn the shapes because you really learn it when when you're cutting the model and you're shaping it. So how do you scale your projects down to uh, model size? The way I cheat 
is I actually go up to a place that can blow the design up to what the what the uh, what I want, you know, the size I want. So I've got designs in the uh, in the barn of uh, Ranger that are. Uh, I think I did that half inch to the foot because that would be a because otherwise she's 135 inches long. Actually, it probably wouldn't be bad because she's so thin, and she's you know, and most of it's keeled, you know. But still, and then, you know, if you look at somebody who really did models well, like Sonny Hodgton, Tim Hodgton's father, unbelievable. That guy had him in his, in his whole house, floor to ceiling, bedroom and bathroom. They were everywhere. I think there's 130 of them. And then there's a whole collection of them that are at the Hershoff Museum in Bristol, Rhode Island, that he did on all the America's cup boats. And, you know, but he was real impressive because at this station on the outside, he would put a pencil mark and you could see his pencil marks in the models because he sanded right to them. He was he was such a perfectionist. Tim told me that. Now, there's an article if you want to learn how to do this uh, that I know they use at the landing school, but it's from Wooden Boat and it's by Sonny Hodgson or somebody went down and interviewed Sonny on how he does it. But he was a real good model builder. He was an incredible craftsman anyways. You know, what was he, fifth generation? I think Tim is sixth generation. So I think Sonny was five. You know, because they started building in 1816, I believe. They're the oldest shipyard in Maine. And they built mostly schooners in the 1800s. And, and then they started getting into yachts. And they built for Alden and Hand, William Hand, who was from Portland, but moved down to New Bedford for Haven. And, they, yeah, he did a lot of motor sailors, you know. Giffy Full worked there for one year. He Well, he was there working on a boat for an owner that he was working for, but he worked there. So he knew everything about that boat, which is unusual today. Most of these captains of these yachts, they don't know anything about the boat. You know, they're more project managers or managers of the, of the boat. They're not captains like they used to be. That's John Johansson. I'm surprised he has time to eat and sleep. We're glad to have him as a Boat Talk partner. This is Alan Sprague for Boat Talk. Thanks for supporting Community Radio. W-E-R-U-F-M, Blue Hill.